my thing has always been, it's okay to start small. It's okay to make the mistakes on smaller stuff and not just dive right into the weeds on 200 unit deals just because there's capital out there, right? Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. And here today with me, another wonderful guest I'm excited to have on the show, Dan DeSantis. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, the weather's good. Keeping busy in between a lot of conferences this time of year, you know, just traveling a lot, but, but otherwise doing well. Yep. Awesome. Same here. It's rainy in Charlotte yesterday, but hot and humid today to be expected in July. So all good. We'll take it. You know, I was really surprised when Charlotte a couple of weeks ago it was like 100 degrees. Yeah. And then it just all of a sudden just started pouring out of nowhere for like 20 minutes. And then stopped. Yeah. Is that typical? That's part for the course down here this time of year, but generally pretty tolerable. It's been a little bit unseasonably hot lately, but no worries. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're keeping indoors then. It looks like that's what everyone has to do. That's right. But guys, if, if you don't know Dan DeSantis, I'm going to give a brief introduction just so we have some context we're talking about. Guess what? We have another amazing multifamily investor on the show. Yes, I know. Surprise, surprise. We have other people as well, but... Dan is the founding and managing partner of Eagle View Capital, which is a vertically integrated owner and operator of over 1,300 units in the Southeast. I'm really excited to talk to you. You came from a banking background and went into real estate. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your backstory, how you found real estate and how you were able to scale this business so fast. Sure. So, so I've always been interested in the value-add concept, regardless of whether it's real estate, whether it's something else. The idea of contributing and adding value to anything to me has always been interesting. Back in 2008, 2009, the opportunity presented itself to buy some single family homes. Always liked the idea of real estate. You know, you can touch it, you can feel it, you know it's there. There's obviously been a long-term growth story in real estate throughout the last, you know, you name it, number of years. And so I started there. I started small. I bought a couple of single family homes, worked on them myself, rented them out, and that grew into some smaller multifamily deals that I had the opportunity to partner with some friends and family. You know, our first deal was a small nine unit complex in Charlotte, North Carolina, and sweat equity, that sort of thing, had a couple of investors in that deal. And then, and then that grew to a little bit larger scale deals, you know, 60 units, 80 units, 100 unit deals. My thing has always been, it's okay to start small. It's okay to make the mistakes mm. on smaller stuff and not just dive right into the weeds on 200 unit deals just because there's capital out there, right? So that's my story, really. We started real small, took a small portfolio of single family homes, and I no longer own those, flipped out of those into smaller multifamily, and then flipped out of those into bigger multifamily, and found some investment partners along the way. I think it's an easy story to talk about, and hey, this is what we do. We own and operate apartment complexes you know, for investment folks that are interested in looking at real estate exposure or looking at the idea of investing in real estate, but not wanting to necessarily swing a hammer or get the phone call at two in the morning from an angry tenant. You know, that's the niche that we fill. So yeah, we've scaled up. Like you said, we're right around 1,300 units now, certainly not the biggest, but we're working on continuing to grow that as the right opportunities present themselves. And that's awesome. And you kind of answered a couple of questions that I had in my head in terms of 
you know, how, you know, started off with a single family, small multifamily, moving into larger deals, obviously now. My question really was, are you still investing in those smaller deals or single families or smaller multifamilies? Or have you answered the question, I think, by saying you flipped out of those and exchanged some of those into larger deals? But is there any interest still in those smaller deals? Or are you focused solely on larger deals now? And if so, why? Yeah, no, great question. So, it's very market determined on whether we'll look at a smaller deal. And the short answer is yes, we still will. If it's a market that we already have boots on the ground, we absolutely will. We'll look at something smaller that may not be a necessarily long-term hold for us, but if it's an opportunistic buy and the price point makes sense, for sure. We are, as you mentioned, vertically integrated. We are an owner operator. We do not participate in third-party management. And I think that gives us a lot of control to say, hey, we're already in this market. Here's a 30-unit deal that might normally be a little bit too small to take down our normal channel. But since we're already here, it might make sense to tack it on. And we've got the efficiency and the economies of scale to participate in that deal and take that down. Those are easy ones for us these days. You know, Five, six years ago, those would be sizable for us, but that's just the nature of how we've scaled. Makes sense. You know, I hear there's a lot of dispute against, you know, I have certain investors or clients, friends that solely invest in large multifamily deals, you know, 100 units plus, yep. because there are certain advantages with in terms of property management and things like that. And other clients and people that yep. they focus specifically on smaller multifamily. Again, I think what you said makes a lot of sense that it has a lot to do with the markets that you're in. You know, if you have on-site property management or local property management that can handle another, you know, 12 yep. unit or whatever down the block or it makes much more sense than if you were just doing that, you know, on your own or didn't have the, you know, the in-house management. Yeah. And I think that's important too. You know, I'm sure a lot of the guys that listen to your show are, you know, there's both ends of the spectrum. There's guys that were me three or four years ago. And there's guys that, you know, I hope to be in three or four years. And, you know, for those less experienced or earlier in their career individuals, that's how you get started. You know, just jump in. And if it happens to be a four unit deal or a two unit deal or a, you know, a six, eight, whatever, that's how you cut your teeth and you learn the business there. And so that's okay to take those down, especially when it's early in the process and you're learning the ropes and all that stuff. I mean, that's a hundred percent, a great avenue mm. to get the exposure and to figure out if you like it. You know, the real estate has become so centralized lately because it just seems like it's an easy get rich quick right. avenue. And the reality is it's not. And I think the next couple of years will certainly determine who is quote unquote good at their jobs and who isn't. But either way, you know, for the folks that are listening that may not, have the experience that that you or I do, get started with those smaller deals. It's very, very okay. And, and there's a lot of meat on the bone on those ones as well. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. That's probably the best advice that anyone could have is just do it. Just, just get started. Figure out, yep. Take action. Figure out what works for you. Yep. There's no amount of learning you know, that can prepare you for just jumping in and doing it. Yeah. 100% agree. Is that what you did? I mean, you just jumped in and bought a single family or were you hesitant for a while before you did it? It is. I've always been okay with having a an outsized risk profile per se. Like you mentioned, I had a great W-2 job at one of the large banks here in Charlotte. It could have been a great career. It was a great career. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. At the end of the day, it was a stop for me. It wasn't a stay. And I knew that I liked the idea of at some point owning a rental property or owning two or owning three. And maybe that was going to be my retire, you know, part of my retirement that I would build up a portfolio of 20, 30 rental homes. You know, that was, that to me, when I was in my, you know, early twenties would have been awesome. So I started, I just, I dove in, I said, I can figure this out. Charlotte's a great market. It's growing a lot. The opportunities at the time presented themselves very well, considering there was a little bit of a downturn there. 
So we got started with that, about two or three, and cut my teeth on that, like I said, and, and then started to scale up as I realized that there was greater opportunity in this industry going the direction that I've gone. Now, I want to ask you a question about the management thing, because obviously that probably had a big play in your ability to scale the way that you guys have. Yep. Can you talk to me about having started out? Were you always self-managing or at a certain point, were you having other third-party managers? I mean, imagine working in a bank and also having real estate is not so conducive to being a full-time in, in the management side of things. So how were you able to handle that? And did you have other managers first? Yeah, it was 2015 or 16 that we really started to go after multifamily deals that were that got me to thinking that, okay, this is going to turn into a full-time job. And I don't want to be just good at both things, be that banking and real estate. I want to be great at one of them. So yeah, we, we had always self-managed. There was some, you know, a period of a year, a year and a half when I was trying to do both. And I'd come home from the bank at five, six o'clock at night and I'd fire up my laptop. And because I have an accounting background working in banking, I work on P&Ls and I, you know, check in with my property managers after hours, you know, mentioning to them that, hey, look, I, I may need to bug you after hours. Feel free to get back to me in the morning or through a text or email or whatever. But yeah, there was certainly some double dipping for a year or so. And after a while, I said, look, I think I can. I think I can take a run at this long term. It's going to start consuming a lot of my time. And, and as mentioned, I, I don't want to be just good at both things. I'd rather be great at, at the thing that I really enjoy more. And so I, I ripped the bandaid off in 2018. And how hard was that for you? I mean, in terms of leaving? It was a lot. My wife's a good sport about it, for sure. My daughter's six now. She was, you know, one, two, three years old. So to be working that much, certainly there's nothing more important to me than family. And, you know, I'm sure you could say the same thing, right? But at the end of the day, trying to build something for my family is where I wanted to spend most of my time. So at that point, again, after a year or two, it was, okay, I think I can take a run at this full time. And also hopefully down the road, have enough flexibility to be able to you know, spend more time with family and that sort of thing. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Leaving your you know cushy banking job probably is not, for a lot of people, wouldn't think that would be the smartest decision for some people, but obviously you as an entrepreneur, you have yep. you have a yep. bigger bigger mindset and bigger uh, you know goals than just having a, a nice W two, having a nice four hundred one k, and the retirement plan that may not actually ever plan out. You know, pan out. Unfortunately, we're, as we're seeing now. That's right. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, I mean, it's funny you say that. So, you know, when I left, I had a great relationship with my manager at the bank, and he was very candid. He said, "Look, that's I applaud you for this. Go do it." If things for some reason don't work the way you think they're going to work, you've always got a job here. And I think that's important in any industry, in any in any relationship to make sure that you leave on good terms to the extent possible, right? I mean, real estate is such a, a unique industry that, especially with the content that we can produce on the internet, that sort of thing. I mean, there's just so many different opportunities to get to know one another and leave a good mark with your industry peers, your business partners, so that if something, if you ever do need somebody down the road, you've got it. I mean, it's so important. That's awesome. Not to burn the bridges. I think for a lot of people, they're like, okay, I'm leaving the W2, just burn all the bridges. Like never yeah. go back to that lifestyle. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges, if you wouldn't mind, because you know, there are probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. I know for a fact that are full-time and you know have a job, but would like to move into that full-time, you know, real estate thing, but are worried about certain things. Like for example, sure. simple things like, what do you do about health insurance? Or what do you do about you know, other things that an entrepreneur has to worry about that just having a, a W-2, you don't have to worry about? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Because there are a lot of things, you know, I, I don't think people think about real estate as, especially when you're self-managing, as you are running a business. 
And in the case of us, we're running, you know, 14 to 15 businesses because they all have their own P&Ls. They all have their own management issues. We all have our own tenant, you know, issues at each property. You know, to anchor back to your question, I think if an individual is really interested in pursuing real estate as a full-time endeavor, it's important to just understand the risks, understand what you're getting into, but also it's okay to, to take a leap, but do it from an educated standpoint. If your real estate investment income or your fees that you're charging on the properties that you're managing are not coming close to covering what you're going to make, and you just think that, hey, things are going to work out for me, be prudent, right? Do your homework, figure out a game plan, figure out how you're going to get there. Me personally, I did not leave until my income more than replaced, my real estate income more than replaced my banking income. That was probably a year, year and a half longer than than I could have. If I just would have said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to leave because I'm now making at the bank what I'm making in real estate, right? Gotcha. You know, the other stuff kind of figures itself out, right? Insurance is out there. You can talk to an insurance broker and get health insurance. That's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But certainly what I would say is also important is to understand you've got to have drive and determination to see your business through. Because when you say, hey, manager of my current job, I'm done. I'm going to go pursue this dream of mine. The next day, whenever you leave, you're back at home sitting at your desk wondering, okay, now what do I do? And you've got to have that self-drive to, to do the work, to now know that, okay, well, I'm, I'm at home here. I can either watch Netflix for a while and eventually when work piles up, I'll get to it. Or you can take the lead and get down to business and say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I think it's a combination of that, right? Just having that determination, having that, that drive to go do it. You know, you've taken the action to quit. Now take the action to build what you, what you dreamed of. Would you have done it earlier now, knowing what you know now? Meaning you mentioned you could have stopped a year or two later, you know? That's a great question. I don't think so. I think I was happy with the timing of it. I just, you know, I'd been in, oddly enough, I'd recently been promoted. So it's really challenging to get a promotion in one month and then the next month leave. That I probably would have burned bridges at that point. So I did stick around for maybe a little bit longer than I would have historically just given that promotion. But either way, I think I was fine with the decision that I made. The timing worked out. It was a good time to pull the trigger. Now, here's an interesting question I have for you. And I'm curious to know, because you weren't just a banker. I mean, you were dealing with mortgages, you know, dealing with other, you know, homeowners or, you know, potentially real estate investors and assuming other people in your branch and people in your bank were also dealing with that. And were there other people in your place of work that were interested in what you were doing in real estate? And have they, you know, were, did you speak about it at work at all? Or was it kind of your, mm, this I'm at work doing one thing and real estate is totally separate from that? I kept it pretty close to the vest just because I did, when I was at my W-2 job, I wanted to be there wholeheartedly, right? Right. That became more challenging towards the end, which is when I realized, okay, it's time to pick a lane. Yeah. But for the first couple of years, like I said, I mean, I started buying single family homes in 2008. I started at the bank in 2005. So, I mean, I had owned some homes for a while while I was, but that just wasn't taking that much of my time because it was a small portfolio of single family homes. It just wasn't that time consuming. As things started to grow in the multifamily space, that's when it became a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I had some really close colleagues that knew that I owned some real estate and they were interested in partnering and all that. But generally, I tried to keep the two separated just for the purposes of, I always want to make sure I'm doing a good job at whatever I'm spending my time at. So, No, that, that makes sense. No, I was just curious, you know, sometimes people 
if you're excited sure. about something, yeah. you know, some oftentimes you want to share what you're doing yeah. or it comes out. And listen, bankers can be great people to invest to have as investors. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I want to take this, you know, one last question here before we get into the final four. I want to take this in a little bit of a different direction. You know, now obviously you're fully focused in these larger multifamily deals, great portfolio going. Are there any other areas of real estate that you're looking into that are intriguing to you or other types of investment vehicles? Development has always been interesting to me. It's obviously, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, it's expensive to get into. It's smart to partner with somebody if you're going to get Mm -hmm. into development, you know, early in your career and, and not build that experience with a partner. But short answer, yeah, development has been interesting to me. You know, given where things are going with online shopping and that sort of thing, I mean, industrial, especially the markets that we're in, we're by the major highways in the self, you know, 5, I-77, we're there. So the idea of owning industrial is certainly interesting to me, obviously a completely different animal than multifamily. But I think from a return standpoint, and I think from just a macroeconomic shift, there will continue to be a drive for industrial buildings. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We actually, if anyone wants to check out, we had a great episode not too long ago with Chad Griffiths, all about industrial and some really, really great pointers that he talked about in terms of finding land near, you know, large transportation hubs. So that's, if anyone wants to check that out, go back to the episodes. But yeah, I mean, I think this smart play, obviously you want to have cash flowing real estate, which is what you have now. You want to have great appreciation, which is obviously happening <laughs> to our benefit. Yep. But development is something that is a much longer term investment, but much more lucrative. Have you looked into the kind of build to rent type scenario where you're talking like single family homes, track homes and things like that? I have. And actually a guy that, that I've done a couple of deals with lately is shifting into that direction and having a lot of success with it. So there's certainly an opportunity to dig into that long-term. Our investor base is mostly friends and family. And so I've got an interesting dynamic there where there's some retirees that are investment partners of mine who are just looking for that, you know, seven to 8% pref quarter after quarter, because it's the retirement income. Right. And I've got some younger guys that are, obviously that's nice to have, but it's the long-term appreciation that they can say, okay, this is part of my retirement. Right. If you're going to build a, you know, a hundred homes, that's great. We can hold those for 15 years, flip out of them and you know, my my small investment turned into something larger. So yeah, for sure. I've looked into that. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome. Great learning about, you know, how you've scaled that much success, much continued success to you, Dan. I want to transition to what we call the final four. There's some fun questions we ask our guests at the end of the episode. First question, what is the worst job that you ever had? Worst job I've had. So I'm from Buffalo, New York. And the idea came to me, back when I was in high school, that I should work at a car wash. Fun people to work with, but washing off cars in the winter in Buffalo with the salt and water flying around, it's not the ideal working conditions. That's probably it. I can't imagine washing cars in the winter in Buffalo. I mean, doing anything outdoors in the winter in Buffalo. Yeah, the the logic was that anytime there's salt on a car, you got to get it off. And so we we were out there a good bit. But yeah, it wasn't ideal. Yeah, that's crazy. Why people want to wash their cars in the winter when it's snowing? <laughs> that's I, don't, I don't get that. Some things I'll never get. But second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Sure. So I think that the easy ones, especially for the, the listener audience here, obviously, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Art of the Deal by Trump. There's a bunch of real estate ones, but I'm going to go mm. a little different direction here. So I just finished up autobiography from Matthew McConaughey called Green Lights. 
Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I mean, I picked it up and it was done in two, three days. Yeah. And the whole premise of the story is there's certain times in your life where you're going to feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is right. This feels right. And that's a green light. Right. And conversely, the other way, red lights. There's certain times where you're doing something, you're like, this doesn't feel right. You know, I, I'm not getting a whole lot out of this red light. Yep. It sounds simplistic, but it's a really good read. It's an easy read. You know, it, it's helped me understand a lot about just learning how to figure out those times in my life. It's that easy. Absolutely. I haven't picked that one up, up yet, but it is on my list. And first heard that when uh, they featured him on Bigger Pockets, right when it got released. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great About book. A year. Great book. Yeah, it sounds good. Definitely. I listened to a little, I actually have it. I think I got it already. So it's in my Audible library and I listened to some of it. Just when you have so many great books coming up every single episode, it's hard to pick and choose which one to use. And I try to, so obviously the the self-help and the the real estate books, everybody reads those, right? Especially if you want to learn in the industry. It's nice to read just somebody's story though as well. That autobiography that may not be real estate related, but you can get a lot out of it. So it's saying to me, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Well, good for you. Third question. What's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I've always thought it'd be cool to be able to fly a plane. I've got a buddy that's a pilot. He's never angry. He's always happy. He's like, I just spend time up in the skies all day. Like that's, that's awesome. So I think at some point in my life, I'd love to take flying lessons and get up in the air. Yeah. I mean, you could just hike a mountain and yeah, no, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. We've had quite a few people recently talk about flying planes. So good for you. I hope you, you know, get to do that one day. That would be exciting, especially yeah, sure. as you start breaking into new markets, you're going to need to get out there, you know, they're time machines. We'll have to get there quicker. hundred percent. Fourth and final question, Dan, what does success mean to you? Success to me is freedom, flexibility, the ability to do what you want and enjoy it. You know, the things, the money, that's secondary. Real estate's a great vehicle to get those things. But at the end of the day, it's not what's going to make you happy. Spending time with your family, spending time with your friends, those kind of things to me, that's what a successful life is, to be able to, to put in the hours with your friends, with your family, doing the things that you want to do and being able to do that when you want, not when you have to. Not having to feel like, okay, I've got to go in nine to five. Here's my job if that's not what you want to do. So I think short answer is just having flexibility in your life and doing what you love is my definition of success. That's awesome. Love that. And that's really, I mean, that's what we all have to figure out. Not all of us can figure that out so early in our careers or in our lives, figuring out what it is that we love to do. And oftentimes we're you know, pushed to do things that we don't necessarily love to do because it's the right thing to do, or it's the thing that's going to help us get to yeah. where we need to get to. But you know, truly being able to do that, that's awesome. Great definition. And I appreciate you taking the time here today. I really, really do. It's been a pleasure catching up. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the invites. And yeah, thank you so much for it. Look forward to speaking more. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So eagleviewcap.com is company website. We've got a contact us form if anybody's interested. I'm on Instagram, Daniel J. DeSantis. I'm on LinkedIn at Daniel DeSantis. Again, happy to catch up with anybody if questions, comments, mentoring, that sort of thing. Just reach out. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time again. And to our listeners, I appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen all the way to the end once again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? 
If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.